Okay, we're recording. Yes, sir. Welcome everyone to the Rink Rat Report podcast post-mortem of this season. So essentially what we're going to be doing here is we're going to be taking a look back off-season, thoughts then versus thoughts now, uh, how the season went, the ups and downs, the trade deadline, our thoughts now versus what the Leafs did then, uh, taking a look at the immediate future because there are some very important things that are going to happen like should happen in the next week or so, as well as what's going to be happening this off season and why it's so pivotal and close it off on. Yeah. Some other thoughts on playoffs and such as always joined by Jason. Yeah. How's it going? First pod in the off season off season officially begins yep. now. So, I mean, Hey, off season's always fun. Uh, there's always the world. The world is your oyster. As the saying goes, there's, you can kind of really go any which way direction. And I guess, honestly, the, the, the way that, the team is right now and the, the way that the I guess the the talk around the team is right now maybe it's not going to be a fun offseason so it's we're at a very interesting inflection point potentially for the <laughs> franchise because there's like a whole wide range of outcomes that could possibly happen this offseason one of them being literally nothing changes and the other one being some colossal change that we haven't seen since we hired Brandon Shanahan so um, it's good I don't I don't know. So this is how I view this offseason. We'll get into what's immediately going to happen because this is the most important substance of this episode, I would say. This offseason, you have the opportunity to extend Austin Matthews and William Nylander, two pivotal players in this organization. You either have to let go of Kyle Dubas or you re-sign him and you fully commit to him. Last offseason was like a prove it. It was like a preparing for one heavy go at it, prove to the owners that you can you can actually do some damage in the playoffs. Whether they did so or not, they won one round, which is one more than what they've done in the last 19 years and two extra games than what they've done in the last 19 years. So how you view that is dependent on who you are. I've heard a lot of people call it a total failure. I'm... I wouldn't say I'm happy, but I have some thoughts on it anyways. So what could happen this, so what we're waiting to hear in this next week and what Kyle Dubas said in his end of season press conference is he's going to have a chat with his family and he's going to make a decision whether he's open to being extended by the Leafs or he's stepping away from hockey for this season because he said he will not be the GM of another professional hockey team other than the Toronto Maple Leafs for the upcoming year. Right. Yeah. That, that was honestly a shocker to me because yeah, you saw all this information being leaked about him wanting, like not him wanting to go to other teams, but other teams having interest in him. Uh, and I feel like that kind Pittsburgh. of, that kind of thing only leaks. Uh, if I, I think that I don't here, I'll, I'll say this. I just didn't think that it was a Pittsburgh camp that was leaking that information. I think it was on the other side of the aisle. I thought, I genuinely thought it was potentially Kyle Dubas and his camp potentially leaking that information to almost put pressure on the Leafs to say, Hey, like if things don't like whatever, whatever happens this season, like I have an out, if you don't want to sign me, I'm still like trying to maintain the value of your asset from a client perspective. Right. Well, I I don't know. I don't personally don't think Kyle Dubas had to do that. I just, again, it's, it's, it's hard to see those things and not think that in my mind. Um, So there's that. Uh, and yeah, that, that really shocked me, uh, that press conference, honestly, cause I did mm-hmm. like of all the things that he could have possibly said, that was like 
very, very low on the list, probably beside like, I am no longer GM of the Toronto police anymore. Like I'm just done with this. Like, yeah. That, so he like, looked very nervous. A hundred percent. And yeah, it, it's just honestly shocking. And at the same time, kind of sobering to hear because listen, he probably is not happy with himself that he was caught on camera with all these things, but also like, the pressure of being the least GM, we talk about this a lot. This is the biggest market in, in, in all of hockey. It's like the pressure is massive on him. And, and I feel like the pressure has unfortunately gotten to him. And it's not not to say that he's done a bad job and the pressure's gotten to him and he's failed us as a result of that. But it's just, I, th- I feel like as like media members, social media people on Twitter, things like that, like we can all just like kind of crank it back a little bit, right? Like let's remember mm-hmm. that these are real people, right? Uh, and it's funny because there's some people out here tweeting, fire this GM. And then a day later tweeting, wow, real sobering thoughts from the GM right here. This is the real, as real as you can get. It's like, people are saying that, really? Well, there's one person in particular, you probably guess who he, he used to work in sports media, but is now a, a, an, on a daily talk show. Um, but uh, yeah, any, anyways, it's just... Zipper? No, it's uh, it's Sid Sixero, but... It's oh, who cares about what that guy has to say? <laughs> that guy's such a loser. I, I, I do not care what that guy's sports opinion is anymore. I, Goodbye. Have fun at breakfast television. I do not care what he, he his voice has no carry. I, I know, but, but go and, on. And it's but that's but that's part of the thing is that like I don't even care that his voice has carry. It's just he's that, an attention whore, plain and simple. Enough it, of him. It's not about his voice having carry. It's just the the mentality behind like face fire this so guy. Fat. Fire this guy, get rid of him, and then a week later, like literally a day later, after you hear him pour his heart out, say like, "Listen, this is taking a toll on me and a toll on my family." Now you start to reel it back. Like, let's just keep remembering those things when we talk about players being, for example, like as a media member talking about players being traded, talking about going to your a team's captain and saying, "Are you willing to move if your no moving clause?" Like, there's there's a family element to this. These are real people. Like, things just need to like just pull it back a bit. Yeah, I kind of got off topic there, but yeah. Yeah, he so did the, mention that. He said, like, this has been a tough year on his family. Like, this job comes with a tremendous amount of pressure and, of tr- like, the work hours on it. Are you kidding me? Probably was never home. So that's where he has to make sure that his family's okay with it or what they want to do with it. So that's 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 what he said. Anyways. Yes, exactly. Uh, so, yeah. So essentially what we're going to find out, I think, within the next week or so is who the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs will be Next year, what is Brendan Shanahan going to say? Because he did not speak at media day. Um, he's supposed to address the media in the, the very near future. So we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities. Either A, Shanahan and Dubas are both back. B, Shanahan's back. Dubas is not back. C, neither of them are back. Right? Yeah. And yeah. that will help to determine the course in which the, the ship is essentially going to sail. And so trickling down from that, so the GM and the president, we don't know what's going on there. Number two is dealing with Austin Matthews. And this is such a pivotal offseason because if you don't get a deal done this offseason, it's almost like you got to move them. Am I, am I wrong? No, like, listen, you're, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it feels blasphemous to even say those words out of your mouth. You have to move them, but. Again, like this is why this GM stuff is so important. There are no movement clauses like Austin Matthews and Nylander when I say they. They're, they are UFAs after next year. There are mo- mm-hmm. no movement clause. Locks in July 1st. So you have right now, it's, it's May 17th that we're recording this. You have a month and a half to figure out your GM and re-sign those two players or yeah. figure out your GM, figure out if you're going to be able to re-sign those two players. And if you're not, you have to find a trade partner for them ASAP. ASAP. Exactly. 
So it's a very, very tough situation for the team to be in. I mean, listen, uh, Austin Matthews himself at the media day at locker room cleanup, he said he wants to be on this team. He said he wants to be here, right? But we don't know if that's true. I'm hoping that it's true. I want him to be here. I do not. I never under any circumstances want to trade a player like Austin Matthews. And I can't imagine a haul that would ever make me happy for uh, trading. Like Mm -hmm. I would never, I can't even imagine a a trade scenario where I would be happy in trading Matthews. I don't think you'll ever win a trade like ever, ever. You could get four first round picks and plenty of prospects. I could care less. I want that guy on this team. Um, So it's, it's going to be a tough, tough to navigate because if you don't get the, get a deal done before July 1st and you don't have an and there's an indication that he won't sign with the team, you're almost forced to move these guys. So, and that's look at look at Matthew Matthews. Kachuk in Florida. Exactly. Florida last year. There's so many examples also then of like they go pat superstars go past that mark where they can resign, they don't resign and then they leave. We have one on our team. We yeah. have John Tavares, right? Exactly. Johnny Goudreau, the same thing happened with him last offseason. Like it's it's a it's very very dicey, and I mean you technically could go this year with Austin Matthews on his team playing on that expiring deal, and risk going into next offseason seeing if he wants to resign or not, and just push all your chips in. If he doesn't, if he walks in UFA, then you're out of a lot of potential assets. Um, but then it's just clear that you probably got to rebuild the team. Yeah, and. Right? I'm going to come up with a bold prediction. Or wait a couple of years and wait for McDavid to go to free agency. Ha, 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 ha. I'm going to actually go out on a limb here. I don't know if this is bold or anything, but like just the way that this media asks questions and honestly, like I don't want to say harasses these players, but is like on them like wolves during the season. I think it's either Austin Matthews is signed before July 1st. And if he's not signed, he's going to be traded. So if he's not traded before July 1st, he's going to be signing with this team. In in the at some point in the offseason, they were they who it was. They, on deal they were like they were like, watch this. This is going to be the funniest narrative ever. It's going to go from Austin Matthews is not re-signing with the Leafs to Austin Matthews is overpaid. <laughs> That's damned exactly if how you it's do, damned be. if you don't. Exactly. No, and I can like, tell you one thing: he's probably not going to Arizona. Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, if if Maybe. if they still have a team, right? So, uh, yeah. but yeah. So I I feel like Austin it's not going to be like, in Arizona. Yeah. Maybe I, Phoenix, maybe Houston, maybe somewhere. Jamaica. Who knows? Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like I feel like the more interesting guy here is William Nylander because there's more of a legitimate mm. chance that he is traded. Because, I mean, if you're William Nylander, I think you want to. I think you want double digits millions. I don't think you just you want like an eight or a nine. I think you've proven okay. that you 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 should get something close to what Pasternak got. Kachuk so, just got a nine and a half. Really? Yeah. Pasternak just got twelve, so it's that's that's the mark that GM or that agents are going to start looking at. So Pasternak got twelve. So what is William Nylander worth? I don't know what he's worth, but I think he'll uh, want. Uh, I don't know. It's with a player like William Nylander. I don't like again with either of these players. I don't think you can. Hmm. I don't think it's smart if they're going to leave to ride it out for one more year, unless you like are able to build some crazy team. Cause at least do have a yeah. decent amount of cap space. Probably get into that more in the off season, but Matthew uh, Kachuk nine and a half for eight years. Brady Kachuk is making eight, two. I know he's significantly younger, but still the, just to put into perspective, I mean, Pasternak at 12 is Pasternak not also a heart trophy candidate. Yeah. But this I year, think, I, I, I think, think Pasternak's quite a bit better than William Nylander. I, I yeah, but, say but it, how, but... how much better, right? 
a good amount. William Nylander hit 40 goals for the first time this year, but David Pasternak has like how many 60, 50 goal seasons? <laughs> okay. But how, how about this? Matthew Tuchuk just also got paid nine and a half million dollars. As an agent, are you not saying like this guy was a heart trophy candidate? He's underpaid. I don't want my, I don't want my player to be underpaid as a heart. Like he could, this guy's potential to be a heart trophy candidate. I don't want him to be underpaid. If you're like, an agent, you're not mentioning Matthew Kachuk, though. Yeah. yeah Why would you mention that? That guy's uh, that guy's over there is underpaid. I don't want to be like him. GM's yeah. gonna go. What? Who? I don't know. It's kind of funny that him and like last time Nylander was up for a contract, you just looked at Ehlers' contract and were like, "This is what he's gonna get." Plain and simple, they're almost the same player. But now Ehlers is still not like signed so now i don't have a direction to go in but i mean yeah i like like nylander hit a career high 80 points listen to this from david pasana 70 and 75 with 34 80 81 95 48 and 48 72 and 77 and 113 and 82 you know yeah so So, i'm not saying he's a better player but like he's pretty pretty close to what Pasternak can do so. Uh, if if there's tiers, he's probably a tier below. What's that tier worth? I don't know. Also, what's that tier worth on the open market? I'm sure there's a team out there. There, I can guarantee you, there are teams out there willing to pay him upwards of ten million dollars. Maybe even more. Upwards of ten? Yes. I'm almost willing I to guarantee it. Listen, John Klingberg got. I I understand it was a one year deal. He got seven million dollars in free agency. I don't know how you can justify that. That's a defenseman. Willing- I understand that, but that's like my point is. What that, did like, Goudreau get? That's I don't I don't know. Was he 10? not eleven? Yeah, probably. Ten or eleven. So, John Klingberg. Well, I mean, he got nine seven. Yeah. I didn't realize that, but he also took so, a discount to stay in a, in a city that he really likes. So, and he was offered what ten from Calgary or something. I don't I don't know the exact amount he was offered. I don't even want to so speculate on it. But again, I I think that. Nylander could fetch. I think this the- conversation is just like Matthew Kachuk at nine and a half is disgusting. Uh, Barkov just signed for 10 over eight. I mean, maybe you have to pay a little bit more because Toronto has these taxes, but yeah, Johnny Goudreau, 115 points last year. I don't know how you can. Yeah. yeah it sucks I- because of where you are. The location is. You know, you have to pay a premium on the salary because of all the taxes that you have to pay. But, you know, I wonder how much he gets. I don't yeah. think it's 10. I think it's under 10 for sure. So maybe maybe he gets But nine. is it nine and a half? Still, is it nine? Yeah. I think nine. Okay. Probably yeah. around the number that you're going to be looking at. Still, there's teams. That's exactly. And teams are going to be willing to pay that. So if the Leafs aren't willing to pay that, Nylander, I know, probably will be happy to walk and get his money in free agency. Right? So... Yeah, you got to again, like back to the original point is like you have to figure out what what you're going to do with both these guys. So um, that's pretty much I think. And then I think the last thing to keep track of in the offseason, this is more so uh, towards I mean, after the draft going into like July 1st and free agency, all that stuff. Um, But what what the goalie situation is going to look like. Right. And uh, because, again, you have Matt Murray on the books. I don't know how you can justify I think I think I forget who made this. I think Mike Johnson made this point, uh, but like I don't know how you can justify him going on LTIR right away to start off the season when he was on the bench for you in the last three games or the last two games that you played. 
was the last two or the last game. Anyways, he was on the bench for you, healthy, ready to go. So I don't know how you can you're going to be able to like finagle an LTIR situation with this guy. And I'm willing to put like I'm willing to bet that he doesn't start the season on the LTIR. Shake his hand too Leafs. hard. Yeah, maybe, maybe blow a gust of wind at him. I don't know, but the goalie you situation. You would like for him to be on LTIR. I think all of us would for next season. Saves them a lot of assets, but. As you just mentioned, yes, he was the backup goalie at the end of the year, and he's been saying that he's healthy and whatever. Like, that's where I wonder, like, do you almost roll the dice? And, like, this is a crazy one. I don't even know if I would believe it or go through with it. But listen to this one. What if you trade Samson off? It's under control. Under team control, you'll get something back for him. And you roll with Wool and Murray next year. I would never do that. Only be, <laughs> I, I'd be more on board with a trips. rookie, a rookie and an, and an IR. The trip. only reason why I wouldn't do that is just because the inefficiency of having Matt Murray, who is again, like it's, it's not even a debate anymore. You can't, there's all the other stuff that mm-hmm. was previously said about the guy. Like he has a chance to play. Otto wasn't a good team. He never got a fair shake. That's not true anymore. He played 26 games with the Leafs. He was, he had a worse save percentage with the Leafs than Ottawa. He had a worse goals against average with the Leafs than Ottawa. Like there's no excuses anymore for this guy. On top of all that, he is incredibly injury prone. It's I, you cannot. That's have, the number one thing. Yeah, that, that, he can't stay off the LTIR, and I it, hear, I keep seeing people go, "Oh, but that was such a bad break that Lucas Raymond trip at the end of the year. That was his third trip to LTIR. It might be I might be low on that one. I think yeah. that was his fourth trip to LTIR. Yeah, and, and again, like started the year, Ottawa, he had to get pulled from the game once. Yep. Ottawa, he had to get pulled from the game again. I think there was another one in there too where he had to get pulled from the game. And then Detroit to start the game. Like this was his third or fourth trip to the LTIR. He has not played over 25 games in how many seasons now? Even his last year in Pittsburgh, he only played 39 games. I can't remember if it was due to injury or not. He is extremely injury prone. And that's what we said to start the year. We said that. We looked at him. We said, look, this guy could still be a decent goalie. He had some, put up some decent numbers with Ottawa, but like only played 20 games. You have to watch out for the injuries. And guess what happened this year? He screwed you on. Well, he didn't screw it. He got screwed with injuries. Not screwed. It was just expected, but he got hit by the injury bug hard again with multiple different injuries. Yeah, and it's funny because we had we, uh, so the two the There's two a big video of us saying literally like how can we compliment this guy when we just trashed Peter Mrazek for not being able to stay healthy? Exactly, we traded... Mrazek played way more games than Murray this year, by the way. Yeah, so we we basically traded away, which we'll get into Peter Mrazek to get a worse version, a, a worse, more expensive mm-hmm. Peter Mrazek. Anyways, we we actually talked at the beginning of the season. I remember this. We had a bet over under. Uh, Goalie, goalie starts from the third goalie, and the third goalie was like combined into one. So it would have been Shulgren and Wall. We set it, I think, at 12 and a half. They played 17 games. Hmm. So Matt Murray did steal you some games. He had some good flashes. At one point, he had a 930 save percentage. Guess what? He finished the season at 903 and had less than 30 starts, and you paid him $4.6 million on your cap hit. Yeah. Plain and simple. And that's the biggest issue is the cap hit, right? Like, listen, if he was a $2 million goalie, I'd actually be way more on board with that because. That's kind of easy to make disappear. You can send that contract down, and it's only like seven hundred k if he's not hurt. But he doesn't make two hundred k, two million dollars. He makes double that. 4. He makes four point six. Like that is uh like also last season you had him for two. You knew there was going to be two. You took on an injury prone contract for not one year but two, 
and you're paying $4.6 million on your cap hit per. It, this is not new. We're not saying anything. We're not changing our tone. Like he played well. He had good stretches this year, but he was injured all the time. And we, that was a big question mark coming into this year. So, yeah. and it's just, it's just been cemented that he is not, he's not able to play at the NHL level anymore for, cons- to, to, sorry, to be relied on at the NHL level anymore, right? Because, the biggest the biggest takeaway from this season for me, there were four games where Ilya Samsonov had to come in after playing a back uh, the first start of a back to back because Matt Murray was either hurt or got yanked. And wear and tear on the body, our goal, our Ilya Samsonov gets hurt in the playoffs. I'm not saying that's a like. Listen, Luke Shen crashed into him. It was a freak play. Injuries like that happen. He was hurt before. Exactly. So maybe that wear and tear might have led to Ilya Samsonov getting hurt. So if Joseph Wall is going to be our goalie. We cannot have him in that situation with Matt Murray backing him up, where if he ever backs up Matt Murray, he's going to have to basically go in the game almost, be expect to go in the game almost any time. Just the, the injury risk on our young goalie, who's looked promising so far in the 10 games that he's played for us, not worth it for me. We got to ship him out. And then but you have, you're going to have to pay through the wazoo. I hope not. I hope not. It because, costed, yeah. I mean, Peter Masik was on term. He still had two years left and you 3.8 and you gave up you know, what you gave up, but man, it's going to cost like for 4.6. Now I'm thinking that you're going to have to trade your first round pick back to mid second round to be able to unload that. Yeah, I I would. Here's the thing. I would just wouldn't trade him in in a trade like that. I'd try and figure out a trade with another team where you're getting a player back and I would try and do it as a salary match kind of thing. Even though the Leafs low key do not need to salary match. That's the type of trade I'd be looking for. Where let's say you want to you trade have for... to be taking on that extra year though. What do you mean? And possibly retaining. No, I I wouldn't do it if you were to re- retain. What do you mean by taking on the because extra it's year? An in- because like you're taking back a contract, but like, are you taking back like Shea Weber? No, like an actual or... player, like an actual player. But but who like, who would it be? It would have to be someone grossly overpaid. I'm not. It doesn't like. I don't know. There's there's teams that the want. The issue it. is with Matt Murray is that he's now available, injury prone, and costs four point six million dollars on his cap hit. Is there a player that kind of matches that that you're going to take on? I know. Okay, I'm not saying one for one, but I know that Vancouver was looking to offload Connor Garland, and I know that it doesn't make sense for them to take back salary because that's what they're looking to do. But there's got to be a situation out there where you can get rid of Murray without giving up big assets. And this kind of the problem with this trade to begin with is just because we knew that if it didn't work out, it would be impossible mm-hmm. to get rid of him. So uh, David Alter had a, a, a decent article on what you can do with him, And he was saying like buyout where it's going to cost sick. It's going to cost under a million dollars this year. And then the next year it'll cost two. two mil. Yeah. And, but presumably the cap is supposed to go up, but we have an NHL team that doesn't have a home rank, and we have a broadcasting partner that has gone bankrupt in Valley Sports, I believe. So and hopefully that doesn't screw them even more. And we just got our potential elimination game bumped from ESPN to ESPN2 so people could watch baseball on a Thursday night. So I didn't realize that. Yeah, that was a bad one uh, wow. as well. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, that's uh, to cold water on you in the morning i gotta say so yeah in terms of what you're saying maybe you'd like if i don't know like i think garland is not like a 
You're right. It's a not a one-to-one dump, thing. Though, but like if he was a cap, so maybe you are they, taking they are... on a cap dump guy and Vancouver takes on Murray and they, they buy him out. Yeah. Something like that. I don't like, know. There, there could be something like that in the works. Right? Because know. the thing with Garland is Garland has term, right? Murray doesn't have to, Murray obviously has one year left and I'm not suggest like, listen, I'm not, this Garland is, just is the, useful. This is just off the top of my head. I just know that Vancouver was, is looking to shop Garland to shed salary. Right. And if, okay. like you just said, that, I heard that too. Yeah. That could work. Right. Where they shed that 600, they, they only have 600K on their cap and then 200, 200 mil, sorry, two mil next year. But it's funny. We talked about goalies. We haven't even talked about the most important goalie of all of these guys, our RFA goalie, Ilya Samsonov. What are we going to do there? Um, so the, the deal in arbitration, so he's arbitration eligible. And I know that arbitration, if it goes above four and a half, with some other numbers after 4.5 million, then he's able to walk away and go to unrestricted free agency. So I I think he's probably going to get around four, four, four mil over two years, something like that. Right. Put up nine nineteen, good amount of starts too. Like, I think that's what that's going to command. Right. Like look at even Jonathan Bernier back in the day, got four and a half from the Leafs in arbitration, like, I don't know. So it looks like a player. So I assume that uh, Samsonov will elect to go to arbitration, right? So the team can walk away from a, so a player selected arbitration, a team can walk away. If the salary is one year and greater than 5.4.538 mil. Yes. Same thing for two years and greater at the same number. Um, and then that would then make the player become a UFA. Correct. Yes. So, I mean, like when you look at it, Nadelkovich in his RFA year, um, albeit like a year or so younger, he put up nine thirty two and twenty three starts, and he got three and a half over two years from the Red Wings. So it's like that's a somewhat comparable, I would say. The difference. So you got to go through the goalie comparables in terms of what they signed for and. And see what's going on there. Yeah. So the difference between that there though is that Samsung obviously didn't have as good of a year, but played way more games. Way more games. Played forty two games, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and on top of that, play. I don't know if playoffs is weighted in this at all, but it, it's again like honestly, arbitration is kind of a big scary monster, and it goes over my head. Uh, the decisions and stuff like that, but it's I think around four. Yeah, the, I, I team's going to submit three. He's going to submit four, four and a half, and they're going to come in right. I think four by two. Yeah. Is what we're going to see. I honestly don't think, I don't even, I don't even think I would want Samson off for four for being completely honest here. But I also, no, my philosophy on goaltending is they essentially, you should never pay for goaltending unless you have elite goalies. If you don't have, if you're not sure if you have an elite goalie, then you shouldn't pay for it. It's simple as that. Uh, it worked, it worked for Colorado last year. That's, that's all I'll say. They paid a first for that goalie. Yeah. But they didn't, there's a difference between paying assets to get a goalie mm-hmm. and paying salary dollars, actual cap dollars yeah, to get a goalie. They, they, that, you're, it still goes doesn't apply to what you were saying. He was a $5 million goaltender that they had to pay assets for to only pay $2.5 million on the books. I mean, like, you have Jake McCabe at $2 million, and then I can say uh, <laughs> my philosophy on defense is you don't pay them that that much, right? Like... I don't think it's as clear cut as what you're saying. Like it's odd because goaltend like you look at the conference finals 
And it's like, who are the elite goaltenders? Like Bobrovsky, they chose to start Alex Lyon over him at the beginning of the playoffs. He had like a 900 for three years straight. I don't even know if he was at 900 last year. So there's him. Frederick Anderson was not, again, not the chosen starter for Carolina, even though he's making four and a half over two. He's another guy similar to Bobrovsky who has shown good play in the past, but hasn't been exactly stellar this season. And then you look at the West, it's Jake Ottinger, who's a tremendous goaltender. And why am I blanking on who the second team is? The no Golden Knights. Dallas and the Golden Knights. Oh, I don't even, even better. The Vegas Golden Knights, who are running with four different backup goaltenders. So, yeah. I don't know. It's um, it's almost like you can. I don't know. You walked it's, yourself. You walked yourself into that one, eh? I don't know what to think. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't really follow what you're saying, though, in terms of like you don't have to pay for for goaltending. No, but then it's like okay, then. You're left like look at Michael Hutchinson a couple of years ago. We didn't need a backup goaltender, and then until we did, and we had to pay assets to get one. Yeah, so but again, like, again, my point is that you shouldn't be paying four million dollars for a goalie that you not you're not sure is a lead or not. I think if you find yourself paying between two and a half to three million dollars, upwards of six million dollars for goalies, goalies in that range generally generally probably do not pan out as well as you'd expect them to if they're coming out of free agency. If you're getting them out of free agency. Or in a in a late RFA deal similar to Samsung. That's what I believe. That's how I think. I could be wrong, but again, if you can create, uh, if you can find a goalie who can supplement what Samsonov's worth was to you this year, like then that's uh, for half the amount that you're going to pay him for. You should be trying to do that. But what goaltender would that be? That's I don't know. I, I would have to. I would have to look at goalies. I haven't looked as as much as into goaltenders this offseason, but. I mean, I've taken somewhat of a look. We can talk about that more on we, yeah, other so, episodes, but it's again, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough to judge. Arbitration deal is probably going to land somewhere between three and four. Personally, I would walk away from that if I were the team, but we don't know what's going to happen because uh, who knows? They might even get a deal done before or they might trade them. We don't know. Uh, but yeah. So you're saying $4 million is a no-go for you for Samson. Absolutely. 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 $4 million right now is trying to find it. Peter Mrazek, you know, $4 million right here. Ilya Sorokin at 26. Is that salary? Is that cap hit? That's cap hit. So it's the 26th highest is $4 million. It's not elite. It's decent goaltending. Yeah, but I think it, one. I think a bird in the hand is worth more than two in the bush with goaltending, especially. Maybe, but also in a, in a position where every year the best goalie changes. Every year there's a different nominee for who's who's going to win that Vesna. Every year there's a different goalie who's like. There's so many examples that you can look at of goalies who were terrible the year before and then played really well the next year and then played really well and then was terrible the next year after that. That just happens all the time. It's the nature of goaltending in the NHL. It's hard to it's hard to figure out who's good, who's not. So that's my philosophy behind it. Somewhat. There's more variance than there is with players, but I think still like Vasilevsky always holds to be a great goaltender. Sorokin two years in a row of course. holds Again, to be a good goaltender. With the caveat of... If, yeah, if, and then your question marks become like, what the hell do you have with Jacob Markstrom? I don't know. What the hell do you have with John Gibson? I have no idea there. 
Um, Darcy Kemper went from a good team to a not good defensive team. His numbers suffered. Is he still a good goaltender? I don't know. Like Thatcher Demko too. Thatcher Demko looked had a very promising year last year. Started horrible this year. Recovered a little bit. Nine oh two this year. What is he? I don't know. Right. Yeah. It's again. Yeah. Just there's just other ways to address goaltending, especially at the deadline. Like, and if you don't have an elite one, to me, they're all the same. Honestly, no. So that's not true at all. That's okay. not true at all. I don't. I'm not buying that one. They, I think Vegas proved, proves that pretty pretty well. Vegas has a great system, but they could also use a better goaltender. I don't know. I mean, like, you can also say that with LA. Like, what's-his-name came in there? Well, they had – the boys weren't, weren't good going into this. Who? Phoenix Copley. Oh, Copley. Phoenix Copley. He had a decent year. He was a career kind of AHL backup kind of guy. Um but I think with the addition of who they got at the deadline from uh, Columbus there, that made them better. Unfortunately, they got shelled by by Edmonton. But my point is, just because you don't know if the goalie's elite or not, if he's not one of the five elite guys that we all kind of know who are, or maybe even four, I don't know, um, doesn't mean that it's all just a wash after that. Like I think there are still tiers with goaltenders. For sure, for sure. But it's also a goalies in each tier can have a poor year that could essentially screw you over. That's that's my biggest worry. And again, I think with the Leafs defense, what they have here, like, I don't know, Mrazek was just an injury up and down, like catastrophe, whatever. But like, if you get someone like, oh, trying to think who's available backup kind of level. The one that sticks in my head is like Laurent Brassois, like him versus Samsonov in the Leaf system. I don't know. That could be okay-ish. Yeah. But we don't know that. Yeah. So are you willing to shed $1.6 million in salary or $2 million in salary to roll that dice for a full season? And go yeah. into the playoffs. Well, th- that's here's that's that's the caveat here is that you can roll the dice in the season, and if it doesn't work out, there are always goaltenders at the deadline that you can acquire, and it's and it's simple as that. And listen, none of those goalies are ever going to be as good as those elite goalies. So it's no. instead of pretending like you're going to pay five million dollars in free agency for a potentially goalie who oh this goalie had one good year, maybe he could be elite. That's not worth it to me. So all right. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I also don't even know who the, the, the goalies are available this year. And that could change, like, depending on the goaltender market, depending on a lot of factors. So, um, yeah, like I had it up. I was looking at it with someone, but let, it's not it's not anything. You know, it's not terrific. I would say there's a lot of crap. Sh- there's a lot of crap shoots in there. Yeah, but it always, it always is. No, it really always is. But anyways, yeah, let's let's move on to. I guess the postmortem of like the season of what the heck happened. So we started the year and I remember this cause I think I saw a podcast episode name of ours, something about injury bugs. And it wasn't even like September, I would say like yeah. already we had to deal with major goalie injuries. Um, it led to 
what's his Eric Schalgren starting games for the Toronto Maple Leafs very early, which I thought was kind of funny because we project, as you mentioned, we projected 12 and a half games for goalie number three on the roster. And I think Schalgren like beat that before the end of October or something like that. Like yeah. kind of ridiculous. At one point they were so goalie depleted. They didn't know they, they had to, they got lucky because Abe Kubel got, claimed off waivers so then they could sign Keith Petrozelli just to back up because they had nobody because at that time too not only was it Samsonov was hurt at one point Murray was hurt at one point Joseph Wool started the season injured so so you were right down to the bottom of the barrel there and you had luckily if Abe Kubel didn't get claimed off of waivers I think something would have had to to happen you would have had to trade someone for nothing just so that you could sign Keith Petrozelli. Yeah, and it's that, funny it's funny how that happens because I want to just I want to rewind for a second just go back to like the off season before the season started, right? Because oh, okay. the biggest thing that we this is to your point though, the biggest thing that we, I think the biggest signal that we addressed in the off season, I think there was three things that we wanted to see happen in the off season of 2022. We wanted to see our figure out who the heck we're going to start at goalie. We just lost Jack Campbell, so we had to do that. Shore up our bottom six, improve it, make it better. Wasn't good enough in the playoffs the previous year. And figure out spots for our young defensemen because we had two young defensemen in Sandin and Lilgren who essentially were not, not, uh, were bumped out of the lineup by the uh, amount of players we acquired from the previous season. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, starting with the goalies, we move off of Peter Mrazek only to trade for Matt Murray four days later, which, has now proven to be a colossal mistake with what you're saying, because not even a month into the season, we already had to deal with backup goalie shenanigans, which is the whole reason of why we wanted to shore up our goaltending situation in the first place. Cause we dealt with that last year. We dealt with, sorry, we dealt with that two years ago with Frederick Anderson. We didn't want to have to deal with that again. That's kind of why we brought these guys in. So that Murray trade was a massive failure on, in my books, that Samsonov yeah, but- trade or that Samsonov acquisition as UFAs. 1.8. Fantastic. Fantastic. 1.8 is fantastic value for what you got of Ilya Samsonov. But exactly. We, what, what, what I was telling people, people were asking me what to make of this goalie situation. Who's going to be the game one starter in the playoffs uh, if, they, if they make the playoffs or whatever. And it, my answer was, I have no idea. You acquired two dice rolls. And we don't know how both of them are going to work out. Like I was like, if Murray stays healthy, he'd be game one starter. He did not stay healthy at all, though. I would say, like my what happened versus my worries in that off season that it was, I guess, successful relative to the worst case scenario. One of your dice rolls worked out, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, the more expensive one did not. Yeah, and that's that's what kind of bothered me is that again, anyone who was looking at this. Could have guessed that Murray wasn't going to work out. Um, so again, injuries are always tough to battle. Yeah, I feel I feel bad for him as a person. Like, yeah, I don't. He I don't. Good at times. I don't mean to shit on him, but again, like this is part that of the game business, in Dallas. Right? He stole that game in Dallas. That yep. was tremendous. There, he had one end of the year played game. fantastic against Ottawa. Like he had a he had more than a few a few memorable games. He had. Did he not have a shutout streak going? I want to say at one point. 
I mean, he didn't play that many games, so we can honestly just like easily take a look. But that game in Dallas, he played played very well, played tremendous. Yeah, there was a game in Pittsburgh as well. I thought he played fantastic there too. I think he made thirty five saves. I'm just pulling up his game log now. First game in Montreal, that was ugly. Second game in Pittsburgh, I thought he played very well. The game in New Jersey where he made thirty on thirty three shots, thirty saves on thirty three shots. They lost in overtime. I thought that was a pretty good game. And then listen to this role that he went on. 32 saves on 34 shots, Buffalo 34 on 35 in New Jersey with the three disallowed goals, Minnesota, three goals on 28 shots, but then Detroit 42 saves on 44 shots. And then even continues from here, Tampa Bay, they lost. That was a bad game, but then shut out against Dallas. And then from there it goes, it kind of shit hits the fan. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'll remember him most for that month of March where every start he gave up four goals against, except for one against Florida. Yeah, but he played. I mean, that Ottawa game, he played fantastic. The Florida game played pretty well there, too. And then Carolina, whatever. Yeah. Anyways, I think that's still if if we're going to look back and talk about one of the missteps this season, I think the Matt oh, Murray acquisition a mis- a was the biggest misstep of the season, not only 100%. for acquiring a backup goalie, but just thinking about the assets you could have brought in. That was supposed to be our starter. Like think think about what you could have brought in at four point six million dollars. You could have gotten Tyler Bertuzzi for a quarter. Well, no, not four point six. Like say say you signed Eric Comrie. So four point six minus one point five. Okay, it's fair. So so for three million dollars, you could have gotten a really good player, Hopper Tane. Yes. Or you could have gotten a a good player. That's Tyler Bertuzzi right there. Exactly. So that's and and to think that listen. One or two, I hate to say this, but one or two goals, you're probably still you're probably still talking about the Florida Leaf series right now. It's probably heading to game seven. But anyways, mm-hmm. it, it did not fall that way. So we'll stick with the offseason. That's pretty much the goalie situation, how he handled it. Shout out to Joseph Wall throughout the season, stepping up, getting healthy, dominating in the AHL, and proving that he you know what, he's he's a legit competitor he's at the dog. NHL and he could come in next season and make an immediate impact. And on top of that, respects for Kyle Dubas for signing that contract with joseph wall this this past year where we have him for the next not the, not next year but the year after at seven seven fifty i think eight fifty something like that that is Less a fantastic deal. it's like seven seventy five that is a kudos to kyle dubis because if, even if joseph wall becomes a low-end backup in the nhl that is a fantastic deal because you are getting a backup goalie for 850 or less than sorry 750 that is fantastic so kudos to him moving off the goaltenders Unless you have anything you want to say on that. No, again, two dice rolls. You hit on one, you missed on the the more expensive and more catastrophic one, I will say. Uh, in terms of Joseph Wool's contract, yeah, he has two more years left at seven, six, 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 seven. Fantastic. Good, good. Kudos. 766,000. Yeah. Kudos to Kyle Dubas. Good contract. So he looked great. Leafs played great in front of him, too. Can't forget that. But to walk in. As a rookie, down 0-2, first NHL playoff game, and looked like that. I thought that was really, really impressive. And now, guess what? Tonight, he plays his first AHL playoff game, and the Marlies are down 0-2. If they lose, they are done. So we'll see how he does there. So, Um, yeah. Moving on from that, let's talk about the depth acquisitions, because I think that was another thing that we felt like. And I honestly think my opinions on the depth right now. Yeah. Oh. Kills me to think back at this. And it's so funny because it made me realize 
playoff series to playoff series, just how different the game becomes. Tampa Bay, think about how slow and sluggish it was through the neutral zone. It was a lot more cycle. It was a lot more crash to the net. With Florida, how did you take advantage of them? Speed, Speed through the neutral zone. Yeah. It was wide open. Could you imagine you had Engvall and Mikheyev against Florida? Yeah, that that's when they would have been effective. I, I, think, I think they would have been effective. But it's like, yeah. would you have gotten through Tampa Bay? Who knows? Who knows? That's part right? of the problem, right? And but I just think... watching that series, I'm like, we could really use Engvall and Mikheyev right now. Yeah, well... well... At, at the very least, we were not we were not going to be able to keep McKay. No. We were. It was just. You I, wanted, I thought it would have been would have yeah. been great, but yeah. <laughs> but the depth players we acquired and I guess kept were Nicholas Abe Kuel, who did not work at all. Zach cool. Aston Reese, Dennis Malgin, Callie Arncrook, and I guess technically you, throw Dennis, you you. So with Dennis Malgin, you made a footnote to me at the beginning of the episode. I think you like you wanted to include him in there because it's like he was away from the organization for several yeah. years. And it was just, it was kind of like a free agent signing. Like we didn't know if he was coming back, whatever he, and he was, he played, he started the season in the top six. He played half the mention that he came back. Exactly. And he, there was a, like he played 10 games of meaningful minutes for us and in, in yeah. us trying to figure out if he was going to ever play for us. So look good at points. Yeah. And it's just, again, didn't like still skeptical of him at the NHL level. So yeah, he, just he's look- a terrific World Championship hockey player. He's got four points in three games right now uh, for Switzerland. The issue with Dennis Malgan is he is not smart enough um, away from the puck to put himself in good positions, and he does not move the puck quick enough. Like His hockey sense is just way too slow. He gets away with it in the AHL at, in, at European levels on bigger ice because he's able to buy himself that time because he's fast and he's got skill. But at the NHL level... He struggles at times, and he's terrible defensively. Got to mention that. Horrible defensively, so where are you going to put him now? Um, Because he doesn't think the game quick enough. He will score highlight real goals where he'll go end-to-end, deke out everyone, and deke out the goaltender. Perfect. But then the rest of the 10 games, it's, oh boy, what's this guy doing out there? Right? Yeah, exactly. And he's he's one of those guys in the bucket of depth players that didn't work. And unfortunately, this offseason, I think another thing that we could have improved on, and I think another... I don't want to say it was a colossal error, but a slightly smaller error was not acquiring the right depth pieces in the offseason. It was clear, at, and we'll talk about this when we move towards the trade. It was, it was clear in the offseason, or sorry, it was clear at the trade deadline that this team had a mission and a goal and a certain player they didn't want to acquire, they wanted to acquire. At the off, sure. During the offseason, that mission or goal was simply not there. No. That did not exist. Callie Arncrook was... Our only good good signing, but our only good signing from from the depth forwards that we acquired, and in this off season where we wanted to make again, I was I was wrong about this. I thought I thought that we could have we didn't have to make as big of changes as I thought we had to. I was wrong. I, the changes that they made at the trade deadline were the right changes. So I just would would have liked to see them at the in the off season. Excuse me, I'm getting my words jumbled here. In the off season, I would have liked to see them. Uh, kind of pay more attention to that than what they did because listen Nicholas Abe Kubel was borderline an NHL player he was terrible and for us and terrible this season Washington re-signed him I mean you need players to fill the roster right Zach Aston Reese Zach Aston Reese at the very least you know what fourth line player I could see that fit but a little too slow for my liking eight whatever 800k right Malcolm we talked about Yarn Crook we talked about 
uh, Pierre Engvall, I guess let's throw him in there as well. He just wanted way too much for what he was worth. Oh, so two, two, five. Yeah. Just our depth players. I thought we could have done a better job of improving on. Okay. I mean, that Pierre Engvall was like a, an all right. He's a, he's a still, I still think Pierre Engvall is a good bottom six guy. Very good transition guy. I mean, you just need those other, you need a, you need a mix in the bottom six, you need a mix throughout your lineup. Right. So like if you are missing that speed factor, like the Islanders were this year, like Pierre Engvall is a, a great addition right there. Right. So like in terms of him versus Lafferty, how Lafferty played after the trade deadline versus what we've seen from uh, Pierre Engvall, I think it was, uh, I think Pierre Engvall would have gotten the edge. Right. But you don't want too many players that, curl up on hits <laughs> exactly exactly um so. but yeah that's pretty much i think that's that's about it with the depth and then the last thing that we wanted to talk about uh or last thing that we brought up was what to do with our two young depth defense or two young defensemen with promising futures ahead of them right we had timothy Lilligren and we had razzle sandman so obviously we signed Tim- timothy Lilligren out the gate two years 1.4 mil great deal problem was razzle sandman who a lot of who I think has a higher, a lot higher upside than what Timothy Lilligren has. Maybe he's not there right now, but I think his ceiling is higher than Lilligren. Um, we we were guys in, tuning into Hungary, Sweden, nine thirty a.m. tomorrow. Holy! We we weren't able to get a deal done with him until the very end of the off season because there was no spots for him. What? Unfortunately, we had injuries that opened up space for him. He was able to come in, sign, look, look. All the injuries good. came in one game. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, we, we signed him, and I thought we did good work in signing them and 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 assigning where they go because Rasmus Sandin at the beginning of the offseason, all of a sudden it was where is this kid gonna play? There's no room for him. To him being in the lineup, literally almost every single game before the trade deadline. Not only that, before he got hurt, where was he playing? He got hurt for a couple games. Remember that. Uh, he was playing on the right side, right? And then switch over to the left? Or? Yes, he started on the right oh, side with Geo. He had a couple gaffes. People were like, this kid's not worth it. This kid stinks. What's this kid's value? We should have traded him. Then he got moved back to the left side. I think he might have got scratched one game or so in there. But he, when the Leafs defenseman went down, when Morgan Riley went down, when TJ Brody went down, um, there was a couple other injuries there too. I'm trying to remember. Uh, Jake Muzzin went down as well. Rasmus Sandin and Timothy Lilgram were in the top four and looked great, right? Yep. yep. Unfortunately, like, as we mentioned, like having, you need a, just like in your forward group, you need a mix in your defense group. You can't have all offensive based defensemen. And like, are you really going to have, as Josh put it a few times and I was majorly in denial because you know what? If Sandy was still here, I'd still be in denial because I like him. But are you really going to have Riley and Sandy in your top four? Is that the right mix that you want? Well, honestly, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty. But with the way that Morgan Riley played in the playoffs, I think it would work. Honestly, honestly, I think it would work. Maybe. But again, cart before the horse here. Let's not get too busy into that stuff. We'll talk about that more. Yeah, we have a long off season. We got to save some topics. So, um. Yeah, uh, I think that's pretty much it, though. We we did a good job in signing both those guys, at the very least. So what? Okay, now Manageable that we've contracts. now that we kind of recapped everything that happened before the twenty twenty two season started, what would you give the rating of the offseason with what we know now? I think we had them around B's, B plus. I think last offseason, 
Personally, best player was Callie Earncroft that they signed. I they also got Samsonov, right? Maybe we thought Samsonov Murray, was... Murray. I mean, that was again. I was Samsonov coming off an eight ninety seven year. I'm pretty sure that's what we said at the time. I'd have to go back and check to be certain, but I know it was around a B range for me. For me, I'm I, I'm giving this offseason a C minus, a C C minus probably. So yeah, uh, just... I'm, I'm no, I'm right with you on that one. I think best signing was Ilya Samsonov by a lot. Yep. 1.8 million. He was your starter late, like stole a game or two in the playoffs. Actually, stole two games. I would say in the playoffs, game three and game six in the playoffs. There, uh, Callie Yarncroft was a solid signing. Hit over 20 goals for the first time in his career. 2.1 million dollar cap hit. Unfortunately, in the playoffs, it dried up for him pretty quickly, uh, which sucked to see. But yeah, a little bit of an up and down year actually, if you remember. Yeah, just had second half of the year was scoring like crazy. Um, so those were, those two were great signings. Zach Aston Reese was, you know, depth signing for how much does this guy make? Nothing pretty much. 840, 840K, right? So even then that, that wasn't an off season. That was like training camp signing. So in terms of your off season acquisitions, like who, like Victor Mete, Jordy, Ben, like, and uh, what's his name? Abe Kubel. That one was a, you got lucky being able to get out from under that one. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. That, that's, C minus, I would yeah. say is appropriate in terms. And then like bringing in Matt Murray was, you know, that, not the best idea. Yeah. Honestly, that could, that lowers it down to a D for me, just because of the simple fact that like, listen, we just shed a guy who's the exact same thing as him. And listen, if you don't believe me that I said this literally a year ago, you can go back and look, I'll pull clips for you. If you want message me on Twitter and I'll, I'll show you that I did say these things that this guy is essentially, uh, Peter Morazic. You just, you just traded a, a set. What, what was basically is the, the value of a second round pick, a high end second round pick for a third, a seventh, Sorry to sorry to dump Peter Mrazek, and then now you acquired the same player who costs more for a third and a seventh, which again is literally useless because that value of the four point. If you didn't make that move, you would have had to just you would have just not retained any salary on Ryan O'Reilly's deal, and probably would have only had to get Ryan O'Reilly and Achari for basically a first. That's all you probably would have to give if there was no retaining salary. But you had to retain if salary, they weren't so. making another move, correct? Yeah. Yes. So you would have had that cap flexibility. Like exactly. They were in. They were in cap hell at points this year. So, um, yeah. The, the value of the salary cap there is just not worth it. So I'm going for a D plus. Exactly. You give them the C minus. I like. I like both those grades. So again, uh, also like Ottawa offered the deal between Ottawa and Buffalo was rumored to be what. Moving from number seven to number sixteen, nine spots for Buff to Buffalo, but Matt Murray said no, right? Yes. Nine spots from sixteen to, to seven is worth a hell of a lot more than a third and a seventh. Remember that. Yes. Because Ottawa tried to trade him for that and then turned around and got less from the Leafs. So yes. just my two cents. That not only not only that. Yeah, like sucks to see. Seem like ex- a seemed like a workhorse. Like Samsonov admired his work ethic and everything. Just he could not stay healthy, and yeah. you that was his worry coming in. A lot Plain of people said that. A lot of people said this about Jake Muzzin. Availability is the best ability, right? No matter how yeah, good Jake Muzzin was, uh, if you're not available, it's not worth it. So, and again, there yeah. there it is. So, all right, moving on from that, we're gonna let let's dip into the trade deadline. But before we touch on the trade deadline, there was actually one meaningful acquisition that we made 
in the Connor Timmons off season. That was acquiring Connor Timmons, which was it was again, an off season. Or sorry, mid season, mid season. Yes. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to say there. Just again, good signing. We'll good. see. I mean, showed some good promise. I, I really want to go back and watch some of his his games because like the amount of points he put up was kind of crazy, but like just, he looked so steady out there and so steady to the point that they played him first line with Morgan Riley against Boston. And that, right? like, that's that really says them. a lot about what confidence they had in him. And then, yeah, that torpedoed. <laughs> but still again, he had 14 points in 25 games for the Leafs. If that's this solid. guy, if this guy can be like that, uh, like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say a ghost despair type because I think honestly he has maybe a little bit more potential to do more than that. Probably less offensive ability, whoa, but whoa, if, whoa, if whoa. less offensive Shane ability. Shane Goss is a very good they're completely different, I would say. Exactly. I, so I think you want him to be like he they want him to be like your Justin Hole kind of replacement. I don't think that's really his archetype right now, but we'll that's see. Not, that's not his archetype at all, which is why I was trying to say like He's going to be a player who could put up a decent amount of points, but also be a res- potentially a responsible two-way defenseman because he actually doesn't seem to be too bad defending in zone. So, again, no, exactly. 14 points, 25 minutes. That's pretty good production. Uh, so that's... I, I think so, too. Skip it. I mean, what what did uh, Kurt Douglas do in Phoenix? Not much. Not much. Not I don't much. even have to look. Not much. Yeah. So, um, moving on. Yeah, moving on from there, the only other, I guess... Yeah, no, no real other off or midseason acquisitions other than obviously the trade deadline. The trade deadline was, I mean, that was pretty crazy. Honestly, the trade deadline was pretty oh, yeah. wild because it made a move, thought we were done, made another move, thought, thought we were done, and then made no. more moves, thought we were not done, and then we were done. Uh, yeah, <laughs> which is hilarious, right? And it all started off with the Ryan O'Reilly trade, where we were able to acquire O'Reilly and Achari for what was it? A first, a third, a first, second, third. And a fourth, plus Adam Godet and Mikhail Ab- Ab- Abramov. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing his name Mikhail right. Ab- uh, yeah, he was a fourth round pick a few years ago. Through his first two years, was not playing very well. So yeah, it seems like maybe I don't even know. I He's don't an know, AHL player. AHL player maybe has a chance to play in the NHL. On the ELC, so young, but... we'll see how he develops. Anyways, this deal obviously smash it for the Leafs. Like, what what more can you say? I thought Ryan O'Reilly was really good for them. It's a shame because we were just talking about the offseason. One of the guys the Leafs were rumored to get in the offseason was Nolachari, and they were they just couldn't afford okay. him. So, I mean, one point two five. I don't know how you can't afford him, but obviously they're lower on his pri- on their priority list than the other guys that they signed, unfortunately. But that like acquiring him in the offseason would kind of be like what I was talking about previously and like making moves to be more physical in the bottom six. But again, I digress. I thought this trade was fantastic. Like, I don't, I, there's no critique on it. Listen, mm-hmm. obviously, we didn't get the best result. If we can find a way to keep Ryan O'Reilly, I think that'd be great. If we can find a way to keep Nolachari, I think that'd be great. If we can find a way to be keep both of them, that'd honestly be amazing. But, uh, it, you, this team is trying to win a Stanley Cup, right? So at the time, even with hindsight, I'm a okay and super happy with this deal. Yeah. Um, I, again, going back, if I knew what I knew, like you have to go for Ryan O'Reilly. Like, unfortunately the foot speed at center, that kind of means that you were pretty slow at the position. I mean, when you look at Austin Matthews, isn't the quickest guy. Speed is pretty good, I would say, but he's not like super fast. He's not a burner, I would say. Um, and then you have Tavares and O'Reilly. So that kind of left you pretty slow at center, unfortunately, at times. But I look like 
O'Reilly came up big, like sent the game to overtime in game three. I think it was um, scored a scored in game two as well. Like only two points in five games against Florida, but it's like, I, th- I thought he played pretty well. I don't know. Yeah. Like I he wasn't so playing too. with the most tremendous line mates either. Yep. He basically created his own line and carried his own line, which was awesome to see. Yeah. Thought he was a little miscast on that second line role with those, with John Tavares and, William Nylander, I think t- his style of play didn't fit well with them, but whatever, it's fine. He's, oh yeah, was that, that game, line, was that game one? Yes, that was that? game one. That line, that, that line, whatever. It still looked okay for what it was. I just think it was better off driving uh, Ryan O'Reilly driving his line, but yeah, yeah, I, fantastic trade all around. Moving on from that though, ten days after acquiring Ryan O'Reilly, we went out and acquired Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty. Jake McCabe, who was required at fifty percent retained for the next, not only this this year, but the next year after that. So we got him for two and a half seasons, which is pretty, pretty nice. And Sam Lafferty at 1.1 is signed for next season. We were also able to grab two fifths in the trade, which I think is actually pretty important because they gave away a first and second. So, and Joey Anderson and Pavel Goglev, but who cares about those guys? Um, But yeah, they gave away a first and second. We're able to get two picks back. I think that's massive because the Leafs have been like hemorrhaging draft capital, which is, Obviously, what you want to do as a compete as a contending team, but I think acquiring those two picks is very underrated, a good move because those are just dart throws to have at guys who could potentially come in and play one day, or guys who could turn return greater value than a fifth round pick. This this uh, management group has done a pretty good job, it seems like at least over the past couple of years in the second round and in in later rounds, being able to identify maybe some players who might be mm. better than. It's it's too early to tell, but listen, we have we'll massive guys. We have they're coming over. They're starting to come up now. So now yep. it's where you're you're starting to get in. Because I've seen people say like, "Oh my god, the Leafs got Roni Hirvin in and Topi Nimal in round two and three on a trade from uh from a, the second round. They trade a second round pick to Ottawa for a second and a third, and Ottawa drafted Tyler Clevin. Leafs drafted Nimala and Hirvinen, and it was like, "Oh my god, they got Nimala and Hirvinen," but. Now let's see what they can do in North America. So you can actually like judge how this team drafts, uh, drafts and develops, especially. So, yeah. but Matthew Nyes, I mean, played, played playoff games this year and looked very good too. Yeah. Yeah. So that was obviously a smash smash hit in the second round. But again, that's, that's the importance though, right? It's because if you don't, if you, for example, you don't get these two fifth round picks, then that's two less dart throws on guys who could not, again, not, not guys who can become not Matthew Nyes, but guys who can either potentially play in the NHL one day or guys who are valuable trade assets that will be worth more than what their pick range was at. So again, all mm-hmm. in all, fantastic trade, getting Jake McCabe for the next two years, filling in that hole that was kind of left by Jake Muzzin, uh, when he was hurt. Yeah. So that was kind of the last deal. And then deadline day. Um, a lot of craziness happened there because we went on and got Luke Shen for a third round pick, which was honestly at the time I was very lukewarm on. I'm not, I'm not embarrassed oh, yeah. to say that at all. I was like, I was similar sort of situation but, to you, but at the same time, man, like looking back now, I want to keep this guy. If we're able to keep this guy, I'd, I'd even give him a raise. He made, he made eight fifty last year. I think he if, will get a raise. I like he, he looked really good with this team and I, I get, he was a little slow at times and the foot speed's an issue, but just his ability to make like, honestly, the biggest thing that shocked me about Luke Shen, this is going to be a little tangent, but his small five foot bubble, his ability to create like solves to get out of dangerous situation. I mean, I, I was very much clenching 
clenching up while he was doing it and it didn't look pretty, mm-hmm. but he did it. Like he was able to do it. It's not about like looking pretty while doing it. He was able to do it. It seemed like he was able to do it consistently, consistently off the four check. So um, yeah, not, not saying he's an amazing player, not saying he's going to be paid a crazy amount, but again, this guy seems to fit with Morgan Riley. So yeah, let's keep him around. He looked good. I was, a lot of people were like, yeah, that would make sense. Luke Shen, good defensive numbers with Quinn. You said it too. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know about his like actual defensive awareness, but it worked. It didn't yep. look like it worked in the regular season at times, but man, did it work in the playoffs, especially. And I think the underlying numbers were there. Yeah. And to it supported as well. And it could have been just as simple as change of scenery, a change of system. Maybe that helped him out. Who knows? He looked good. Better so. forwards. Who yep. knows? But better I thought he, I thought he was solid. Better, yeah. better pizza, better ingredients. Yeah. <laughs> and um, this, this yeah. brings us to the last two deals. Uh, the two deals where we thought we would get more at the end of them, and we didn't. It was the Pierre Engvall for a third-round pick, which is whatever, ret- uh, getting assets for a player who's going to become a UFA. Uh, maybe foreshadowing, maybe not. We'll see how the offseason goes. Um, yeah. But the next one, my goodness, this was the biggest head-scratcher for me. It was the Eric Gustafson and a first-round pick for Rousey Sandin. How do we feel ne- knowing now what happened? with Eric- Having Eric Gustafson only played Three games in the playoffs. How do we feel about that deal now? It's insurance. Like you have to look at like it was insurance for Morgan Riley, but and okay. you didn't need you didn't need it in the end. So in the end, technically, yes, it was a waste. However, like it's insurance. Like it's just like taking out insurance, like flight insurance, travel insurance, whatever, and then you don't need it in the end. Like yeah, that's but- what it was. I think the big part is thinking of like. You traded Rasmus Sandy. Yes. Yeah. Right. You got yeah. a first round pick. You did nothing with that first round pick. You just have that first round pick. Now you can use it to offload Matt Murray or do whatever. Right. You have that asset. Did it make sense? I mean, I don't think Rasmus Sandy was going to be playing with all these additions. Right. Well, but the thing I is, know. now we see Mark Giordano. He's the he from what he looked like in the playoffs. He shouldn't be an everyday NHL player next year, just simply off the fact if it's wear and tear in his body or if his body's just shot. I, it's crazy to see. I don't know how, but he aged six. I days, think it was or sorry yeah. six. He but aged, it was quick. Yeah, he aged six season. years over a week. It was crazy. It's like yeah, he looked old in the first. But it made no sense. I thought he had a good regular season. That's what I thought too. But hey, maybe it's wear and tear on the body. Maybe. He just looked slow. Yeah. So again, now we know that, hey, maybe we'd rather have a guy like Sandin who could play more of those games than Mark Giordano, right? But those are two different defensemen, though. I mean, no, I get it. But if they're going to play in like a bottom, like if they're going to play bottom three, does it really matter at the end of the day? Uh, I'm just talking, I'm talking about playing time for next year. Because the argument for Raza Sandin is that there's no, there's no way that he's going to play in, in this, in this year for the rest of the year. I mean, no. so. And again, Gustafson only played three games, but at this point, Gustafson was probably like a throw-in. Like he was like a nothing in that trade. It was more so the stand-in for a first-round pick. Did they have to do it at that time? Was it the right time? That's going to be like the question that we have to figure out. I mean, there is no answer to it, but yeah, just what we have to think about. No, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, like because simply because like, yeah, if you held him, you traded him for that first in the off season. Like if you traded him this off season, then what would you like, get? Yeah, it would be. Yeah, would you have gotten the same sort of deal? Which would have been, I, I think, essentially it would have been f- 
first and a third. That's the value. Mm-hmm. If you were regardless going to move on from him by the end of the season, would you have still gotten that at the end of the season? And if you were just hold on to Rasmus Sandin, would he have actually been an asset to this roster? And that's where it's up for interpretation. Yeah. It's fully just up for interpretation. How you viewed Rasmus Sandin, how you viewed the roster. Would it have been a good idea to take Giordano out and put him in? Or if you had, like, if you had Sandin playing with seven defensemen, I don't think it would have worked. Yeah. I don't know why. I just don't feel like the flow would have been advantageous for him. Yeah. Because it's different when you're swapping, like, I guess Gustafson's like more seasoned. I don't know. It's, it's, Gustafson's just more carefree. I don't know. Like, that guy just, (laughs) that guy just does whatever out there. Game yeah. three of the playoffs, he's just, yeah, whatever. I'm just out here for a skate, but scored a goal. <laughs> In the end, how many defensemen outside of Morgan Riley scored goals? Uh, just Gustafson. Gustafson, correct. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But in terms of that trade, like, I don't know. I just don't, I don't feel, I would, I would be almost dumbfounded if, Sandy's value were to have dropped from trade deadline to end of season yeah. without any injuries have happened. And so yeah. then you have Sandine. Like, yeah, the timing is weird to trade I, I, a I, defenseman for in for a pick. Yeah. And then do nothing with the pick when you're yeah. in contention. But Yeah, that's yeah. that's my biggest problem with the trade deadline. So trade deadline A minus for me because I think that they made great moves. But just if you're gonna trade Sandin, you might as well have gotten like made a trade for uh with that pick. So A minus for me. What do you Correct. Yeah, I there? think it's something around uh trying to think. Like so you only gave up like you have a pick for this year. You have a pick for next year, first round pick for next year. It's twenty twenty five where you don't have a pick right now. So like you didn't end up trading any of your top prospects either. You kept all of them. So yeah, I would say A minus. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Maybe could have used one extra player, one extra scorer of some sort, some a little bit more scoring depth, but I think what you took the roster from and to, I thought it was in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, A minus for me. Same same thing there. So I mean Yeah. And two of those players that you traded for are still under contract for next year. Yeah, that's so that's, that's a also big pretty one. good. Yeah. Right. So it feels good really only I mean, on aggregate, like the yeah, the moves the moves are good. The moves mm-hmm. are great. I'm I'm yeah, just that one sand deal. I don't know. Weird. I, I I I don't know how else to put it. It was a weird deal. Like yeah. I don't care what you think of Sandy and what you think of oh like it makes sense for the future, it makes sense but like it's just a weird deal looking back on it because yeah. no other move move was made after it. And we'll so. see how he plays next year, right? I think that's yeah. Because he'll probably play. I don't know who, who knows he'll, who will play, who he will. Washington's play with. like running it back after missing the playoffs. Like you have a team in their like thirties that was injury prone, so they're just going to be injury prone again. Yeah, you're going to have all those same injuries, and like you're not adding anyone. Like they re-signed Trevor Van Riemsdyk, they re-signed Albe Kubel, they have Rasmus Sandin in in there as well. Like I don't know. I don't know what like. Maybe yeah. the carefree environment's good for him. Yeah. Hopefully he puts up a ton of points. I hope so too. 
but but he won't be first power play. John Car- Carlson. Carlson was there, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, yep. moving on from that playoffs, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I what guess would you grade it. I mean, ah, so tough. I don't know. B, I guess. I had such a fun B. time watching them. Yeah. B plus. It was fun. Yeah. Didn't play well in, in the last couple of games. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I mean, I, listen, last on, couple of, did I, did I have a good few. time with the playoffs? I liked it. I, yeah. I enjoyed it. I had a great time. I thought the team played well for a you're lot of it. miserable watching the playoffs. You're a miserable human being. You're yeah. a, your existence is miserable. I'm a little different here. Okay, let's hear it. To me, it's a, it's like a, it's, it's a C minus. You won one round, which was, yeah, that's great. But you only won one, and you 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 lost the one that you were supposed to. But here's the thing with the playoffs that it took me several days after to start to think about. Like, look back on teams that won the Stanley Cup, and look back at specific rounds and moments and rounds on. Things that happen, like Tampa Bay beat the Islanders in Game 7, one nothing. The Islanders weren't supposed to hold a candle to them. They took them all the way to Game 7 and won by one goal. One little bounce, one little deflection, that game tied, it goes to overtime, nobody knows how that goes, right? Think back, the, the Rangers made the conference finals. If the Leafs made the conference finals, that would be pretty successful, would it not? Yep. Round 1, they were struggling hard against the Penguins. Who was in net for the Penguins? The French guy, Louis Domingue. Oh, Domingue, yeah. yeah. Their third goalie. And then game seven, they got Tristan Jari, who came into the arena with a walking boot on. That's that's a lucky. That's a good bounce right there for them. Right? There's so many little things. you got to look at it this way. There's the regular season 82 games. That usually sorts out who the best teams are overall, right? The playoffs, it's a smaller sample size and you can look at things moment to moment, right? Like everything was so tight in that Florida series. 4-2 game, game one, that's where, okay, whatever, right? Like game two, you lost 3-2. Like anything could have happened. Austin Matthews hit the post twice in this series. You lost two overtime games and one game by one goal. Is that correct? Yeah, that is. Two posts in two separate games. Mitch Marner hit. Did he hit the post? I think he hit the post in another game as well. Like you had these little, little opportunities. If one bounce goes your way, we're talking about this whole playoff so differently. So while I, I think the Leafs had a strong team, a strong enough team to go on a run. I'm still looking at it results-based and calling it a failure. Not a failure, but like not good enough. Yeah, honestly, that's a what you what you said there was perfect. That's a great way to put it, and I think you're right. Like I think that's yeah, like the Look the way even when the when the Blues won the cup, I believe, didn't they go to game 7 conference finals against Dallas and won in overtime with Ben Bishop in net for Dallas? I I honestly like they they won the cup. They're viewed as cup champions. They're viewed as the toughest team. Yeah, they won because they were tough. One little bounce, one which way. Yeah. And does the narrative change? And I guess why I'm getting into this and why I'm saying this is because people are framing like I'm seeing a lot of people frame things and frame ideas 
and then like cherry picking stats to kind of follow their narrative, but gleefully glossing over any other stat in any other way. Like when you look at it, like I'm seeing a lot of Mitch Marner only had two primary points in his last seven games. Okay. I can also say he had 14 points in 11 games. Why do I have to look at why, why is the statistic all of a sudden in games where Mitch Marner didn't record a point, he had a total of zero points. Wow. Thank you for that hard hitting analysis. No shit. He also had 14 points in 11 playoff games. Was it good enough in round two? He didn't produce enough. No. He produced three points in five games. Nylander produced three points in five games as well. Austin Matthews failed to record a goal. Right? I don't know. know, It's the way that you frame things, I find. And like, I don't know. I'm just getting sick of like the... Fair enough. Oh, the toughest team wins. Yeah, no, it, it's true because I, I again I was joking with a friend, some friends about this in a group chat uh, earlier today. It's like the team that wins is always the team that tries harder, and the team that loses is the team that did not try hard enough. Until you go to the next round, when that team that tried hard they lose, now they're the team that they didn't that didn't try hard enough. That's just how it always is. That's unfortunately how it's always going to be. I think the best way to do it is just to come up with your own opinions and don't base it off these narratives. Just like watch for yourself and think for yourself. Don't. Don't let these It's the playoffs. It's a small enough sample size where you can look at shit game to game. Yeah. And see what happened there. Yeah. Right? Like, 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 let's look at Mitch Marner's round two. Game one, dog shit. Game two, solid. Game three, dog shit. Game four, solid. Game five, I thought he played pretty well, couldn't find the back of the net. But then it just becomes down to everyone saying, oh, game six in round one, he didn't have a point. Okay, he had five in the first five. Yeah. So, yeah. Here's the thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I, again, I, I don't even know what framing statistics. It's, you can yeah. create your own. You can create almost any narrative from f- the way that you frame statistics, right? Yeah. Leon Dreisaitl had what? How many points in his last four playoff games? I think it was one, two, one. Yeah, something like that. Is he a shit playoff player now? I don't know. That's one that shocked me. Yeah. And kind of changed my perspective. Yeah. Because he had 31 and 19 last year. Is he all of a sudden a shit playoff player? I don't know. Who knows? Right? Yeah. So that's my rant. I don't even know if it made sense. I'm exhausted. Oh. I haven't slept in two weeks. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. No, that made sense. And like, again, to the people wanting like a Kachuk trade or like a Marner for Kachuk trade, like something like that. Like the guy you're trading away who you want to trade away in Marner is probably going to be Kachuk over the the return that they get for him, you know? Like, Mm. so cool it with this stuff. It's also, it's just, I I doubt it's going to happen. So we'll see. The only narrative and like the only like opinions where I'm like, I don't have an answer for because it's like, oh, they're not tough enough. They don't, they don't get to the net enough, whatever. Like I can argue with that. There's one guy I play hockey with that I, I just, I have no answer for him. He's like, they're losers. It's they're losing is in their DNA. They're just a bunch of losers. And no matter what they do, they're going to lose fire. Every loser in that organization. I don't want the loser Sam Bodie driver <laughs> to keep his job. Uh, <laughs> what can you say to that? I don't know. Yeah, there is nothing to say. <laughs> oh, that one was funny. But anyways, you also got to look at it. Like, how long did Sidney Crosby go between playoff success? A long From time. 09, 
09 to what 2016 yeah what do you think the narratives were in between that time that's a long there there was a long ass time that he went between playoff success look at the washington capitals like the thing is you have to put together a good enough team and just like you have to have some like runway almost with it you have to have some like years where you can just go at it over and over again right yeah like even like going back to Cindy Crosby, their 2017 play, cup win. What happened in the Easter Con- conference finals? Did they just want it more? They won in overtime in game seven. Anything can happen in overtime. It's such a crapshoot. And the whole season came down to game seven overtime and they scored off like a fluke screen goal. But then, but the the whole narrative is oh, they were playoff team tough. They had a good enough team. They like they were an elite team, correct? And that's why they were able to get into that position. However, you can't like. Not everything's going to go your way sometimes, right? Yeah. So, yeah. You know, look at the like the again the playoffs are small small of sample size. You can dissect game by game, and see what happens. And it doesn't have to. You don't have to come up with just, oh, they're soft. Oh, bad team, soft, caca, whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. Anyways, what was our next topic? I don't even know. That's it. (laughs) Wow. So we'll see what Kyle Dubas does in terms of if he's back. That's the biggest thing. Whatever. Any any of this chatter? We'll take it from there. That's what comes first. We need those first few dominoes to fall. Then we can start entertaining yeah. He's like And if you're reading tweets from news, read the at handle, <laughs> please. Cause I got two separate messages saying that Brendan Shanahan is fired, question mark, and it was from a fake tweet. It wasn't even like an at Maple laughs or something like it. it was the guy the guy's handle was stats mundane. <laughs> we haven't gotten a good fake tweet in a while, so I really did appreciate that. Got to appreciate the fake tweets. Hell yeah. But you have any other, what was your, I guess, uh, so favorite part of the season was obviously game six overtime. Yeah. Was there any memorable parts of the season that you had? Wow. Um, I don't know. I guess the John Tavares goal. I don't know. That's probably the most memorable. That was game six overtime. Ah, I see. Uh, (laughs) I missed that. I, really I don't know. Honestly, you're putting me on the spot about here. The, what about talking about the lease when they went uh, from mid-November to like end of December-ish, I would say, when they just went on that heater? heater. Yeah, that was oh good. Oh, my God. Everything was going right for that team then. They went yeah. 9-0-1 in one stretch. Like, And the, the one loss was at Tampa Bay. I think there was a bullshit call in there, too. But nine oh in one. That was a lot of fun there. Um Matt Murray stealing a couple games. Mitch yeah, Marner chasing game. history. That was the eighteen the point point streak. The point streak stuff. That everyone hated. That was, yeah, that was funny. Some people hated that for some reason. Really? Yeah. Weird. Well, like, I don't know. Oh, yeah, because they're like, it's not the NHL record. I'm like, yeah. it's still pretty damn impressive, you loser. So <laughs> whatever. Um yeah, not knowing who our backup was going to be at one point when fun. they had to sign Petrozelli. That was really that fun. was pretty crazy. Um, 
I'm trying to remember some other ones in here. But yeah. Again, fun season. You fun don't season. uh if you don't ride the roller coaster, you won't know what you're missing, I guess. Is that a yeah. good way to Yeah. No. It's, it's fun to ride the roller coaster of the season. Like 100%. I know that in the end we are losers. Yeah. Listen, we at are the losers. End- we lost like every other team, right? Our players are going to play in the world championships yet again. But like, just ignore that. Like that, that's like looking at life and being like, there's no God. Life is pointless. Like, okay, yeah. man, like shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the biggest thing is 31 teams every year are losers, right? I think I said the same thing last year. Every single year. are losers. So there's only one winner every year. We were in it this year. Hopefully we'll be it next year. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We can only hope. I mean, yeah, we'll see. This is a massive off season. Like this is the biggest one of the Matthews Marner Nylander era. This is yeah. the biggest one. Yeah. Will Matthews resign? Will Nylander resign? Will Dubas resign? We'll see. Hang on to your hat. We'll we'll be here all off season. Yeah. You got anything else? That's it for me. All right. Thanks everyone for listening. Go, let's go.